Thank you for watching NTD Business. Coming up, the Fed continues its fight against inflation, raising interest rates 75 basis points today. We talk with an American business to find out if the rate hikes are actually working. One of America's big problems is a shrinking middle class. One top economist says America doesn't even have a middle class anymore. And a top Republican pushing back against President Biden. He says the GOP is not trying to get rid of Social Security. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us, Don Ma here. The Federal Reserve continuing its fight against inflation, raising interest rates again today, also signaling more hikes are still on the way. Here's Chairman Powell. Today, the FOMC raised our policy interest rate by 75 basis points, and we continue to anticipate that ongoing increases will be appropriate. We are moving our policy stance purposefully to a level that will be sufficiently restrictive to return inflation to 2%. In addition, we're continuing the process of significantly reducing the size of our balance sheet. This is the fourth straight rate hike of this scale. Inflation remains stubbornly high, and the Fed is hitting the brakes real hard to try to slow down the economy, possibly even triggering a recession. But Powell said today it's, quote, premature to start even thinking or talking about pausing rate hikes. And on Wall Street, stocks ended much lower after Chair Powell's speech. The Dow fell 505 points, or 1 and 6 tenths of a percent. S&P 500 lost 96 points, or 2 and a half percent. And the Nasdaq dropped 366 points, or 3 and 4 tenths of a percent. And Democrats are questioning the Federal Reserve's approach to fight inflation by slowing down the economy and killing jobs. Democratic senators, including Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, asked the Fed in a letter... How many jobs are you going to destroy? In a nutshell, here's the Federal Reserve's plan to lower inflation. It wants to make people poorer, so they buy less. So demand comes down, and without demand, prices come down. And one way the Fed can make people poorer is by increasing unemployment. The Bank of America predicts that the Fed's monetary policy will lead to more than 3 million job losses. Warren and Sanders disagree with the approach, saying this quote reflects an apparent disregard for the livelihoods of millions of Americans. And at the same time, targeting the labor market could lead the U.S. into a recession. The biggest problem for the Fed is that the labor market is not really responsive to interest rates. Um, It's responsive to other factors that are in the markets. And if the Fed wants to lower, say, uh, employment, then there's really no other way to do that except to induce a recession. But the Fed's tools are very blunt. Interest rates leading to a recession is a blunt tool for handling inflation. Now, Trevor Sonny does agree that if you put the U.S. economy into a recession, you would be able to lower inflation and prices will come down. But it would also mean millions of jobs lost. Earlier today, I also spoke with the CEO of an American manufacturer. I asked her this. Have the rate hikes helped lower the costs for for your business? No, no. Um, our, the, the rate of increase on some components has slowed down a little bit, but uh, there's other things that are still going up. Little things, little things have been increasing exponentially, you know, two, three hundred percent, little tiny things. And then there's the shipping increase. The shipping increase has I mean, there, for example, there was one, the same size shipment, uh, 
two years ago or a year and a half ago, it was like a $4,000 in freight. It was $22,000 for the same order in freight. I, I think it's fascinating how these interest rate increases are kind of not doing anything. And that was Sharissa Ruby, CEO and owner of Dakota Micro. What she said aligns with the lawmaker's letter. The letter also cited supply chain issues as a factor contributing to inflation. On top of that, Joseph Trevisani also agrees that the supply side is a major factor in high prices. I think it is more of a supply side problem. Everything that we do, everything that we consume, everything that we buy is based in an industrial process that is based in energy. When you promote higher energy prices, whether it's by default or de facto, you push prices for everything else higher. The policy of the Biden administration has been to make energy more expensive. So you would have a compounding effect that works its way through both the U.S. economy and the global economy. And I asked Ruby the same question. What can the government do to help lower prices? I think they need to um, stop the stranglehold that they have on um, fossil fuels. Um, minimizing uh, our independence, our self-independence on fossil fuels, um, oh, that's a big part of this um, because the transportation of goods and service goods across the country is happening a lot by truck. And Powell himself said previously that the Fed can't cure the supply side related problems that have lifted food and energy prices. A growing group of economists are saying that the central bank should pause to evaluate the impact of its efforts to slow the economy before implementing further interest rate increases. A recent survey of economists forecasts a 63% probability that the U.S. will enter a recession in the coming 12 months. With the midterms coming up and with economic policy on many voters' minds, we decided to focus on one of America's big problems, that is, a shrinking middle class. The majority of these people are living paycheck to paycheck. Over a third of America's small businesses couldn't even pay all of their October rent. Top economist and frequent NTD contributor Lance Roberts goes so far as to say that America no longer has a middle class. He really believes it's gone to that extent. Middle class means that you can afford a house and a car and, you know, pretty much raise two, you know, your 2.3 kids and, you know, make, make ends meet and, and have a little money left over for savings or whatever else you wanted to do. And really, since 1990, that is no longer the case anymore. Roberts blames American greed. He says this has led the country to make choices that are not economically viable. One is the decision to constantly borrow and go further and further into debt, as opposed to producing more. Another choice is outsourcing labor. We used to manufacture a lot of stuff in this economy, and we don't do that anymore. We now outsource that to other countries with lower labor costs. And the reason for that is, is because we as Americans, we keep demanding a higher lifestyle. We want a higher minimum wage. We want higher wages. We want 401k benefits. We want health care benefits. We want all these things. But somebody has to pay for those. Roberts says that the outsourcing of labor takes away jobs from the middle class. And all those jobs would have contributed to economic growth. The president of Ginn Economic Consulting, Vanskin, adds that individual decisions are also contributing to the falling middle class. 
and we've moved from a lot of two income earners, you know, pe people that are married to a single individual household. And so if you have two income earners going down to one, oftentimes that can reduce the amount of income and that pushes people from the middle class down into the lower income levels. Um, and so that's one issue. The other issue is the amount for education. A lot of times education will also influence people's incomes, of course, and those with higher amounts of in, in, um, education, a bachelor's degree or something like that, will be more than middle, cl middle class to upper incomes. Aristotle, the Greek philosopher, also talked about the importance of a middle class. He said the middle class prevents either side from becoming dominant. dominant. He said that if there were no middle class, we would have a society of envious slaves and contemptful masters. He says the middle class is what holds everything together. And the middle class is vital for economic reasons as well. It's where a large part of economic growth comes from. The middle class brings in capital, spends capital, saves capital, builds businesses, and contributes to the economy. So with, with the income class falling, or as Lance believes, already gone, what is America left with? The chief economist of the Milken Institute, William Lee, suggests we could have something along the lines of the French Revolution. There are those who are, who are ready to, to attack the Bastille, right? The Bastille being the social impediments that are keeping me back, whether it's racial or, or, or political or, or, or what have you. And then the other Bastille that people are attacking are the economic uh, pillars that are holding me back. The, the globalization, the technology, the changes in business models that made my newly acquired skills obsolete. So is there a way to stop the middle class from dying or a way to revive it it's, if it's already dead? Lance Roberts says there's no way out. That horse left the barn a long time ago, as they say in Texas. So, um, you know, the, the problem is, is that we now carry, you know, way too much debt. We have we have built ourselves into a lifestyle structure where we all want to live in, you know, $250,000 houses, $300,000 houses, whatever it is. We, we have made a choice in America to live well beyond our means. A theme that sums it all up is no loss, no gain. Because we want to live luxurious lives, all of the borrowing and outsourcing may lead to loss down the road, such as the loss of the middle class. But Vance Ginn, the president of Ginn Economic Consulting, is more hopeful. After the Trump tax cuts in 2017, the deregulation that was put in place during that time helped to remove barriers out of the economy. So that way there was more investment, there was more capital accumulation, and there were more jobs. And a job is really where you gain dignity, purpose, and hope. And that's across the board, no matter what income or what class that you're in. And so I think that's what we need to get back to. Ginn says the middle class has shown signs of growth in the past and that it can happen again. Moving on, the Biden administration is sending out billions of dollars to help families with their energy bills this winter. The White House made the announcement today. Consumers are facing much higher heating costs this coming winter. They could be one-fourth more, according to government data. Besides funding the regular low-income home energy assistance program, the Department of Energy will give out $9 billion for families to upgrade their homes to lower their energy bills. The money will come from the Inflation Reduction Act. About one in six American families are behind on energy bills, owing $16 billion in total. And Senator Rick Scott is pushing back against President Biden. Yesterday, Biden claimed that Republicans and Scott himself want to cancel Social Security and Medicare. Here's what the president said. A senator from Florida? 
going after Medicare and Social Security? I tell you what, I don't know where, as they say in Southern, I don't know where y'all been. You've been paying the Social Security your whole life. You earned it. Now these guys want to take it away. But Senator Scott says that's not true. Republicans want to preserve both programs. Here's what he told Fox Business this morning. I don't know one Republican that would cut Social Security and Medicare, but you know what? I know that every Democrat just voted to cut $280 billion out of Medicare. And there's all this testimony where Joe Biden, when he was in the Senate, proposed cutting Medicare and Social Security. So under Scott's plan, Congress would have to reauthorize all federal legislation every five years, including Social Security. Scott told Fox he thinks Congress should have to tell the public every year how they're going to fix Medicare and Social Security. Trustees expect both programs to run out of extra cash by 2035. They'll still be around, but they won't be able to pay out 100% of the benefits. With less than a week before the midterm elections, candidates are getting out and rallying voters. NTD's Jessica Beatty gives us some of the highlights. Candidates across the U.S. were out rallying voters Tuesday. In Georgia, Democrat Stacey Abrams is challenging Republican Governor Brian Kemp. At a rally in Atlanta, she accused Kemp of banning things. He's banned the truth, and it's time for us to ban him from the governor's office. Kemp defeated Abrams in 2018 by less than 55,000 votes. They face off again next week. Over in Pennsylvania, Democrat Josh Shapiro rallied voters ahead of his bid for governor. He said he'll help build an economy that lifts everybody up. It starts by raising our minimum wage to $15 an hour. making sure we protect the union way of life here in the Commonwealth. So far, Shapiro is ahead of his Republican rival, Doug Mastriano. But Pennsylvania is a battleground state where presidential elections at least can go either way. In Ohio, U.S. Senate hopeful Democrat Tim Ryan spoke to union workers. Ryan said if he's elected, he'll work with both Democrats and Republicans. That's important for people to know. I'm an independent operator on behalf of working class people here in Steubenville. Ryan's cast himself as a voice for working class voters. He's facing Trump-endorsed Republican J.D. Vance, who wrote Hillbilly Elegy, it's about growing up in poverty in Ohio. In recent polls, Vance has taken a narrow lead. Down in Texas, Republican Governor Greg Abbott spoke to supporters in Fort Worth. He went after his Democratic challenger, Beto O'Rourke. Beto has supported the ideology of defunding the police. We do not need, as a governor in Texas, anyone who defund the police. We will beat Beto, and you will keep a governor who supports our law enforcement officers. Abbott also touted his strategy of sending illegal border crossers to blue states. Since April, Texas has bussed more than 7,000 illegal immigrants to Washington, D.C. and New York City. And in Michigan, a final push from Republican candidate for governor, Tudor Dixon, has helped her pull closer to incumbent Gretchen Whitmer. Dixon went silent after draining her resources in the primaries. But two primetime debates and help from the Republican Governors Association are making the race more competitive. This is the plan, that's how it went, and I actually think that we're, our momentum is coming at just the perfect time. The question is whether the late push will be enough for Dixon to overtake Whitmer. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. Twitter's new CEO Elon Musk said last night that accounts suspended from the platform will not return right away. Musk tweeted, Twitter will not allow anyone who was de-platformed for violating Twitter rules back. 
until we have a clear process for doing so. He, uh, he added that the process could take weeks. That means users, including former President Trump, likely will not be able to rejoin before the midterms. Last week, Musk announced the formation of a content moderation council. It would guide decision-making on user bans and pol- policing of the platform. CVS, Walgreens, and Walmart have tentatively agreed to pay at least $12 billion to settle opioid lawsuits. The lawsuits were brought by state and local governments. They allege the retailers mishandled prescriptions of opioid painkillers. More than 3,000 lawsuits have been filed against pharmacies, opioid manufacturers, and distributors, accusing them of downplaying the addiction risks of opioids. They're also being accused of failing to stop the pills from being used illegally. Data shows the opioid crisis has claimed more than half a million lives over the past two decades, 80,000 alone in 2021. And a former heavyweight boxer indicted in connection with one of the biggest cocaine seizures in U.S. history. He was arrested after trying to leave the country by plane. NTD's Sean Marshall has more. Goran Gogic, a former heavyweight boxer from Montenegro, was charged with trafficking 22 tons of cocaine worth over $1 billion on Monday. The U.S. Department of Justice said it was part of one of the largest cocaine seizures in American history. The street value of over a billion dollars is hard to conceptualize. All the bricks seized cover the distance of about two and a half miles. To put that into perspective, two and a half miles of cocaine is equivalent to the length of 44 football fields. Gogic was arrested in Miami while attempting to board a flight to Zurich on Sunday after being indicted by a grand jury in New York. Prosecutors said the conspirators transported cocaine to Europe from Colombia through American ports using cranes and nets at night to hoist drugs onto cargo ships from approaching speedboats along the ship's routes. According to court papers, Gogic allegedly oversaw the logistics coordinating with crew members, Colombian traffickers, and European dock workers to build his cocaine enterprise and enrich Balkan-based cartels. Gogic's attorney, Lawrence Hashish, said these charges come as a surprise to him. He maintains his innocence and had come to the U.S. for a boxing convention in Puerto Rico. According to online records, Gogic was a boxer from 2001 to 2012, winning 21 bouts, losing four with two draws. Sean Marshall, NTD News. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, please email us. We'd love to hear from you at business at ntd.com. Still to come after the break, supermarkets preparing for Thanksgiving amid high inflation. What discount is Audi offering this year? A fast food operator cooks up a winning recipe for employees changing up the work week. Find out how, coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. As Thanksgiving quickly approaches, supermarket chain Audi and wholesale club BJ's are offering customers some much-needed perks. Audi says prices for Thanksgiving staples will be the same as they were in 2019. 
BJ's announced it's going to award free turkeys to members who spend $150 or more through November 10th. The offers comes amid high inflation in the U.S. According to government statistics, prices at supermarkets rose 13% in September compared to the year before. The labor market shortage has a lot of businesses struggling to find employees. But a Miami Chick-fil-A owner-operator may have discovered the secret sauce for staffing. Justin Lindsay's recipe for attracting workers was to switch employees to a three-day, 14-hour work week. Not too long ago, business was booming for Lindsay, but his employees were getting burned out. He says some of them were working 70 hours a week. So earlier this year, he overhauled the weekly schedules. He divided his staff of 38 into two groups and alternated weekly schedules into three-day blocks of 13 to 14-hour shifts. Since making the change, Lindsay has been flooded with applications. He's also seeing 100% retention at the management level. And fall rains brings a bumper crop of mushrooms in France and Switzerland. There's a variety of fungi rich for picking, but some are poisonous, so amateur pickers are sure to double-check with experts. Entity's Andrew Thomas has the story. After a long, dry summer, heavy rains are restoring mushroom growth. In France and Switzerland, mushroom pickers forage in the woods for their favorite fungi. The forest grounds are alive with a variety of mushrooms of different colors and sizes. Last summer, we found many mushrooms in July and August. But this year, it was so hot during summer, we didn't find anything. But now, everything is coming out at once. Her basket mainly contains a mushroom commonly called a fleecy milk cap. She also found one penny bun, a gem among edible mushrooms. Local Frenchman Francois Ducre has been picking mushrooms for 40 years. Today, he has come across some interesting and rare species. An oyster mushroom growing on a dead tree trunk is a special find. You need to have good eyesight, and it helps to know the tree species because mushrooms often grow in symbiosis with trees. The Goliath webcap is one of the only edible species from a large family of mainly toxic mushrooms. It's strongly discouraged for non-experts to try to eat this type. In the last three weeks to a month, we have regularly had people come to our counter in the evening to have mushrooms checked. Safer and more common favorites are the hedgehog mushroom and the black chanterelle. Mushrooms that were supposed to come up during spring or summer didn't grow. But we can find them now thanks to this humidity that allowed the root structure to wake up. And now we're finding mushrooms that theoretically shouldn't be here. Mushroom pickers meet randomly in the woods and discuss their finds. Some of them are on a mission to expand their knowledge of edible mushrooms. We did well to come here because most of what I picked today was not edible. It's a shame, but it's good to have come here and not ended up eating a non-edible mushroom. In the Geneva area, mushroom pickers are allowed to pick four pounds of fungi. Across the border in France, pickers are allowed up to 11 pounds. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. And that's all today from the NTD business team and myself, Don Ma. You can follow me on Twitter, too, if you're there. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, please email us at business at NTD.com. That's all for today. Thanks for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.